0: Hello and welcome to the Lions podcast and the Lions YouTube channel. It is Matt Brown joined by John Hasselbauer and Steven Andrus. We are going to run through the Players Championship, give you our thoughts on the odds board, what made our final cards, what barely didn't make our cards, if we have any placement bets, any matchups, etc., etc. We are coming off a very... Interesting tournament last week, and i 'm wondering if there was anything you guys took from last week into this week, so lots of discussion to be had. Uh, John, I want to kick off with you, of course, you have the awesome preview article over on the dot com so if anybody wants the very full super detailed version. Of everything, head over to the lines.com. You can find just click John's name and all of his stuff comes up. So be sure and take advantage of that. But let's go ahead and give at least, you know, some of the stuff that is important here. I mean, it's a short ish course when we're talking about, you know, 7,275 yards, par 72 type of stuff. And I think more than anything, one of the things that we can kind of bring up here, and this is a tangent off of the betting, but I mean, this is a $25 million purse. There are 13 different spots that pay over $500,000. First place is 4.5 million, 2.72 for second, 1.72 for third, 1.22 for fourth, and then a little over a million for fifth. So if you're in any one and done pools, fire the missiles. There's nothing to hold back on this week because it's 4.5 to first. You shouldn't be uh, having any sort of strategy other than trying to make the maximum amount of money.
1: Yes, that is always my strategy to try to make the most <laughs> amount of money in, in any scenario possible. Uh, but yeah, this is my favorite event of the year. I'm rocking players here. I'm rocking Sawgrass up here. I had the pleasure of playing this course a couple years ago. So, uh, you know, not to say I'm an expert, but I think I I think I know exactly how to how to um, escape the hazards of this course, <laughs> which is going to be important. Uh, playing shots out of the water and stuff, um, but yeah, this is this is my favorite event. It's a it's used to be the best full field you could get in golf. Now some of the live guys aren't there, so it's so technically not so much anymore. But the best field you can get amongst the PGA Tour players, still uh, the best purse as you mentioned, the highest stakes, uh, and a really fun, dramatic concluding stretch of holes with water and just danger everywhere left and right, where you're gonna be, you know. Testing it with your nerves um, to finish. You've got to earn it. You can't really like luck out and and you know just not lose this tournament. You've got to go out and get it. Um, so that's what makes this tournament so exciting. Uh, as you mentioned, seventy two hundred yards as a par seventy two, not very long, not a very driver heavy course. Players like Justin Thomas have come into here with not great off the tee form, but you know what? You keep the driver in the bag, and all of a sudden you can be pretty good off the tee player here hitting three woods hybrids long irons driving irons off the tee uh you got to find the fairways that grew out the rough a little bit more this year than years past um so definitely you know go from point a to point b find the fairway and then you're going to have some some tucked pins you got to hit you know middle of greens don't get too crazy hunt- hunting for pins because pete Dye is known for tucking these little pot bunkers and and tight undulated runoffs that are g- going to give you just uncomfortable chip shots you haven't seen before. Um, So you got to be a clever, crafty, imaginative, short game type of player to have success at Sawgrass. And when you look at the list of winners, uh, it is that sort of like crafty, thoughtful veteran who's seen the course a couple times, who knows how to play conservatively and then take chances when you need to. Um, And, you know, as always, when you play in a difficult course and and a high stakes event, you're going to need to be sharp with your ball striking Leading in, and then also just not uh, not have an off short game week. But uh, on these greens, I, I would say the greens are not really the defense of this course. Very pure Bermuda oversea greens, so it's it's not like you need to be the best putter in the world to master these greens. We've seen a good mix of the putting specialists and the not so great putters have have equal success here. So really, just to wrap it up, strong approach play is of the most importance, and then secondary, I want to see a little bit of touch around the greens and that little intangible um, clutch gene let's call it of when when the going gets tough and you got 25 million dollar purse on the line who's going to step up and take it.
0: Steven Andrews here with us and uh we're looking at the odds board, and Stephen, it's going to be the big three pretty much every single event moving forward that they're all three in it. Rory McIlroy, Scottie Scheffler, John Rahm, if we look right now, those are going to be the three guys at the top of the odds board. Depending on where you look, what book you're at, it might vary just a tad on who is favored over the other three guys, but they're somewhere in that 9-ish, 10-ish range, something like that. There might be an 11 out there, but that's kind of where they're going to be. And then you get into that second tier of guys in which you have Proven winners on tour, world-class players in Cantley and Homa and Thomas and Morikawa and Shoffley and even Victor Hovland, which I don't really put in the same tier as those guys, me personally, Victor, uh, Tony Finau at 28, Jason Day at 28. The steam on Jason Day, absolutely amazing coming into this one, Ter- 35 on Zalatoris, 35 on Terrell Hatton. 35 on Sung Jay, 35 on Fitzpatrick as well. Jordan Spieth can be fit in there. Then you get into the 40s and the Tom Kims and the Cam Youngs and Siwoo Kims and Sham, Shane Lowrys, stuff like that, kind of in that 40-50 range. When you were looking at the odds board, and as it sits right now, listen, you know, one of the things I think we get caught up a little bit too much of is, In golf betting is what I got right like the number I got and we want to be so proud of the number that we got and I get it and that's fine but someone watching this video might be going in to make their bet today and it doesn't matter what number we got we need to talk about what number is actually available today so when you look at the odds boards right now uh, when you start at the top and you kind of start to make your way down is there anybody that is too short? I understand the win equity on those three guys is so incredibly high. But, I mean, you know, in golf betting, can we really make a profit betting 9-1s to week-to-week? Probably not. So, wh- what part of the
2: odds board did you kind of start to to
0: feel was a sweet spot?
2: Well, Jason Day is absolutely too short at this point. And to John's mm-hmm. credit, you know, he bet earlier this week he's 50-1. to But this is still a guy who, despite his – Top 10 consistency, top 20 consistency this season has not won a PGA Tour event in four years. So now if you're just looking at the board before the start of the tournament and you see 28 to 1 and Tony Finau's 28 to 1, Vic Hovland's 28 to 1, Will Zalator's 35 to 1, Tyrrell Hatton, who almost won it last week, 35 to 1. U.S. Open champion Matthew Fitzpatrick, 38-1. to You can't justify this price on Jason Day at this point. If you want to talk about some top 10s or something with him, that's fine. That's a different conversation. But with the caliber of names in this field underneath of Jason Day at this point, I I think it's just ludicrous to bet him at 28-1 to at this point. Uh, The other interesting thing to me is right at the top of the board, Matt, and I know this group here that we have assembled generally is not betting the top tier of favorites, but I at least think it's interesting with how good John Rahm has been this season that all of a sudden he slipped from shorter than nine to one in recent weeks to now 11 to one. So that if you did want to play John Rahm on a card this week with the typical structure that John likes to do, three units to win 24 units, no matter who wins it, you could theoretically build a card at John Rahm at the top and still have some pretty decent names in that 90 to one range. Guys like uh, Hideki Matsuyama, Sam Burns, Sahith Tagala. So those are not the typical 90 to one guys that you have in a normal week in a PGA tour Mm -hmm. event. So I think there's at least an argument there to build a top heavy card um, despite the fact that there's been volatility in this event over the past decade, we have seen some bombs win this, but we've also seen over the past couple of years guys shorter than thirty to one win this event as well.
0: We all build out models and we do that each week whenever we're getting our golf cards together. I've gotten to the point now guys where I am building models on three different sites so i like I have three different sites I'm building models on and and comparing those and seeing you know if if anything agrees, then that kind of puts me maybe at least onto a guy to look in a little bit further. John, as you got going and this, the uh, the stuff that you, you dug into, what statistics, in case there are people out there who still want to build their own models and there's people out there who still want to go and, and do this on their own, what stats did you find the most important this week?
1: Yeah, I would say if you're someone like me who uses Fantasy National and you can take advantage of a mixed condition model, something that I think really captures the type of player that plays well here is strokes game ball striking on the courses under 7,200 yards because that's going to capture the guys who aren't necessarily pulling driver on every single hole because that's not what we have this week. And it might be a good buy low opportunity for guys, like I said, like a Justin Thomas, who isn't the best driver, the most consistent driver, but when you put him on a short course and you put him three wood in his hand, he's much more comfortable working it that way. Um, So that is something I think you can find value looking from that perspective. I'm also looking at Pete Dye history specifically but but removing like whistling straits in Kiwa island cuz those are just super driver heavy open courses not as not as translatable but you look at like a TPC River Highlands as a comp course uh stadium course where we have the Amex um and Harbor Town uh where we have the RBC Heritage those are three positional courses by Pete Dye that have these same sort of quirky um pop bunkers and just tricky tricky hazards throughout um that are kind of reminiscent of the player. so those are two like custom stats that that you know wouldn't mm. come immediately to mind maybe for, for most casual betters, but that I think is important. And then obviously your your approach is going to be something that I'm I'm weighing much heav- much more heavily uh, this week than most. Uh, and around the green is a stat that I don't always throw in the models, but this week I think it's especially important.
0: Yeah, Stephen, when you were building out yours this week, I'm I'm super heavy on approach, and typically. I'll take a look at the the approach stuff from a historical standpoint, especially when we have a course that's as sticky as this one, and and try and figure out if there's like a bucket that I want to look at a little bit more. In I couldn't find it this week, and maybe there's something you guys found that I did. But you know, sometimes it's like thirty something percent of, of approach shots come from this distance, and and you know whatever. And I'll, I'll weigh that one a little bit more heavy. I didn't find that this week. I mean, if you kind of look, it seems like everything is really spread out because you can attack this course so many different ways and the way that it goes. So I just did approach just in general and left it alone. I didn't try any sort of proximity stuff or anything like that. Um, Is there anything you found, Stephen, that I didn't? And what else did you throw in your model this week?
2: No, I, I think John has covered it well. That this is this is a volatile event because it re- you really do need to be well rounded. But unlike some of the other events, the major conditions we see TPC Sawgrass in particular, I think does somewhat neutralize the bombers here. The bomb and gouge approach can get you in trouble here. So this isn't a situation where you're just automatically going to cross off the names who may be below average in driving distance. Uh, if they're putting it in the fairway, they're going to have a good shot to hit the greens and score on this course on some of these holes. So, you know, I, I use John's stats to consider every single week. It's He's had a long history of success with it. I, in turn, have had a long history of success hitting outrights here and being profitable over the past two-plus seasons. So, you know, what's going to be different is maybe the percentage of weight that we apply to each stat. So I'll let you know that, that for me this week, strokes scan on approach got 20% of my model. Mm -hmm. Par five scoring and specifically strokes gain on par fives got 20% of my model because we know the final score on in this tournament tends to be in the teens under par. It's not last week like we saw with the Arnold Palmer Invitational, but it's also not, you know, some of these putting contests that we see early on in the PGA Tour schedule. So I want guys that I am confident in are going to be able to take advantage of those par fives and maybe try and survive some of the tougher holes out here. So those are the two stats that got the most weight for me this week.
0: Yeah, I was I was up at twenty five percent on approach this week. Uh I did some par five scoring as well. I'd also did a little bit of sand save stuff with the eighty-four bunkers that are out there on the course. I wanted yeah. if guys end up in there. I wanted to see uh more of a kind of a tiebreaker type deal for me, right? It's just I wanted to put it in there so I could sort the category if it was something that I was looking at with some of these other dudes. And uh, John, is there anything that you did and it's very hard to do. It's Florida golf. It is, you know, the weather can change drastically very quickly. There's 17 holes with water danger. Is there anything that you tried to take into account when it comes to that at all? Or is it just a little bit too hard? Because I mean, hell, last year we saw if you're on the good side of the weather split, you could, you had a chance to win this tournament. If you're on the bad side, you were dead in the water. So it's kind of like, are you overthinking it too much if you're trying to, to take all that into account?
1: Yeah, fortunately, the weather is not as severe this year than last. I I hated watching yeah. the tournament last yeah. year. Because, I almost
0: kind of threw away some of those stats from last year because it's like, you know, w- what are we really doing? I didn't right?
1: look at any we... of the
2: results from yeah. last year.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And things like Xander Schauffele was, I think, is six under five, or th- four under. Uh, on Friday and then he came back on the course playing in like a tornado <laughs> and missed the cut. So uh, all all missed cuts are not the same. Um, so uh, for me, when I'm looking at course history, if you've had one great result, that's mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I can right. overlook a few missed cuts at, at uh TBC Sawgrass, just because you could have a great round going, you put one in the water, it's a double. And all of a sudden your round is off the rails and that happens mm-hmm. more at Sawgrass than most, any other course we see on the tour. And that's why I think you see so many. Inconsistent resumes at, at this course. Even right. when we talked about the favorites this week, Rory McIlroy sure he won uh, in 2019, but he, he sandwiched that with two miscuts. cuts. Uh, John Rahm has finished outside the top 50 in, in three of his la- in three of his last five, and Scheffler's never finished inside the top 50 here. So even if, if you're going to pay up for one of the favorites, you are inherently taking on some risk that they're not guaranteed to play this course well. Nobody's immune. From you know the blemishes of TBC Sawgrass and you know even doubling down on John Rahm, you look at how he's gotten away with wayward shots at like the Genesis and hitting it off the parking lot and hitting it right. off houses and getting these free lines. That you're not going to get that here. You're either mm-hmm. going to be in the water or your the trees are so thin here. They're not like these like heavily branched trees. Mm-hmm. They're very like thin palm trees, so they're not going to knock you down if if you're wayward. And I think that's why we see so much carnage here and so much inconsistency. So. Any positive sign I've seen in the past, I'll take that as a good thing. I'll overlook the missed cuts. Uh, and then, yeah, I think I just go back to comp course history at, at other places that require you to be precise how have you been doing on those courses. Steven,
0: as we talked about, this could get wild, right? Did did you, and we'll, this is more just a strategy in general. I don't want to get to your card quite yet. We'll get to that in just a second. But sure. Did you embrace, did did you embrace variance, I guess, a little bit more? Did you go into this understanding that you were going to embrace variance a little bit more? Because again, like it is Florida golf. It could get crazy. We the weather doesn't look bad right now, but it is still Florida and Florida can get wild and, and, and things like that. I mean, it's, I did go into this, I think a little bit more open to understanding that, Hey, look. I'm going to do the work here. I'm going to do the best that I can to try to identify guys that I think fit well. And I might end up, all my guys might get cut, you know, basically at the end of the day. Like I just, I'm understanding that heading into this thing.
2: Yeah, I think you have to this event more than any other. First of all, obviously the strength of the field, little weaker than last year with the live guys not in it, but still the, the best possible PGA Tour field you can have. And then all the factors that you guys have discussed with this course and and how penalizing it can be if you get a little bit wayward. Um, I think the weather last time I checked's looking pretty mild this year, pretty, mm-hmm. pretty gettable. So I think, you know, there's going to be some birdie opportunities here this time around. So uh, but just just the history tells us that this is a difficult course to project for. You know, I've admittedly had my share of outright wins. We all have over the past few years and have been profitable over the course of the whole schedule. I have not hidden outright at the players championship. So maybe fade every pick I give you in this video, but uh, you know, it's just the nature of the players championship that it's tough to predict. You know, John's got his past winners table in his article each week, uh, linked out to it now. And You know, you have guys over the past four years who were 30 to one and shorter. And then before that, you had Webb Simpson at 100 to one. You had Siwoo Kim at 500 to one. Mm -hmm. Go back a little further. Ricky Fowler won this at 66 to one. So I think the more bullets you can fire in terms of an outright card situation, the better off you are. And this field gives you the opportunity to get players at longer numbers than you're typically used to seeing. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lions Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports bettor.
0: Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THE LINES, and you're on your way with the king of sports books. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call 1 800 All right, John, let's go ahead and get to it. Let's kick off your card here, and we'll be able to discuss these players along the way. If there's any similarities, I might jump in because I know that you and I do have some crossover on some of the guys that we have on our card and stuff like that so that people can understand that there's multiple guys on, you know, between the three of us that are on these plays as we move on. So uh, we'll start with you and your card.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And my card uh, is now published on lines.com so everybody can check out the full written rationale I have for each player Mm -hmm. and the final card at the bottom too. But to kick off, uh, I started my card with Colin Morikawa. I think it goes without saying on a a, um, positional approach heavy course that Colin's going to be a fit and he's a fairly popular pick this week. You can still get him. Um, at 25 to one, which I think is a fair number and where I probably expected to see him this week. I was fortunate enough to get a 30 and there were many 28s out there on him uh, this week, but somebody who like we're talking about, like maybe we just throw away 2022. He had a missed cut, but didn't have a great weather draw and wasn't playing in very fair conditions. So if the conditions are calm and this is an approach contest, like I will always start my, my carpet, Colin Morikawa.
0: Yeah. Colin was not even on my radar this week, honestly. I just think these some of these courses, and again, I don't know. It's um, it, it like we said, the weather does look look calm or whatever. But it's like this past week, it looks like that course just just beat him up pretty badly, and and that just scares me off just a tad. But uh, obviously, a super class player, and if he gets hot, he's going to be rocking and rolling. And and when you look, Stephen, at the shortest guy that you have on your card, I see that uh, John got Colin kind of at thirty, sitting about twenty five ish to one. Right now is kind of the best odds available out there. What was the shortest guy that that found your card this week?
2: I'm going back to Max Homa, and I don't mm-hmm. care that I'm getting a little shorter number here than, than yeah. what we've seen um, last week. Did not concern me in the least. He had his worst putting week of you know the past calendar year, and he still gained. Just seven, just for reference, there, right? Yeah.
0: Like I just want I just want to give people reference there, right? I mean, we are talking about a guy. Who still finished T fourteen, which by the way, this is a if to go ahead, spoiler alert, he's on my card as well, right? Yeah, um go and, for and it. so but but he he finished T fourteen, losing one point seven around the green, losing two point nine putting and losing four point six in short game. Like if you look back at his Stats heading into this, he had he had gained putting four straight events. He had gained short game four, uh on ten straight events heading into that. Around the green, he had gained in uh, I think it was thirteen of the last fifteen events. So again, it was just a very big outlier last week. And oh, by the way, he's still t fourteen by playing mm-hmm. that poorly and stuff that he normally excels at.
2: For comparison, he gained seven point nine strokes on approach in the Arnold Palmer. He gained eight point four strokes in the farmers which he won so very close to an iron performance that helped him win an event if that putting regresses and, and we know the three of us know and for those that don't know putting can change week to week you know yeah. he could have a great putting week this week after having a bad one last week look at the week before at the genesis he gained 11 strokes putting and then the following week loses three so uh, I have no concerns about Max Homa's game right now, despite finishing 14th last week. I thought it was actually pretty impressive, like you said, Mac, despite uh, the, the putting performance. So that is not a reason to hop off of Max Homa to me at this point. And if I'm trying to go up against the big guns here at the top of the board who are shorter than 20 to 1, I think Max Homa's played well enough this year to compete with them on a week-to-week basis. I think his game is elite at this point, T to green. Um, so that that's where I went to first on the card. And I'm I'm pretty confident um, in him more so than a, listen, I love Colin Morikawa and I can't knock him at the number that John's getting him at. My concern is that he still is not back to the point, even close to the point in which we saw him make his run, win a couple of majors, multiple PGA tour events. And John, I'm curious what, how you feel about this too, because you know, at the century where he finished second, he did that with the putter. He didn't, you know, he's had 4 of his 5 events this year he's failed to gain two strokes on approach. I don't think he's quite back yet. Obviously if he pops like he did at the Farmers where he gained 6.7 on approach, he's got a chance to contend here because, because the Farmers was just a long course, but I to me Morikawa is still trying to find the elite iron game consistency that we saw when he was making his run.
1: Yeah, I'm not ready to say the iron game is gone because if you look at just his approach numbers, he hasn't lost strokes on approach since actually the players a full year ago. Right. Um, but you're right. He's not at the elite world beater approach level that that we would like to see from Wurikawa. He, he, he should be going into an event like this being like a top three approach player and he's probably top 10, top 15 coming in. Um, I, I think there's some sort of subjective thing to Colin where he understands when he's getting into... Uh, one of the bigger events that he focuses in a little bit more. He has been a big game hunter his whole career. He's got a couple mm-hmm. majors. He's won a WGC in Florida. Um, so it just seems like when the fields get good, that's when he he brings his best stuff. Obviously at the at the API that didn't uh, come to fruition for him. But that's more of a bombers course. Uh, when he's been on more of these like approach heavy courses, I feel like that's it's where we've seen a little bit more consistency with him. But you know, at the end of the day. I think most people, if they had access to a 30 on Colin, he'd be on on many more cards than maybe the the mid-20 odds if, if if people were slow to react on it.
0: So my shortest guy, I do have Max Homa, but I actually have a shorter guy, and this is not really like me, but I just had to be a slave to the numbers, and I actually hate betting this guy more than any, like, I I oh, hate no. betting Patrick Cantlay, like, oh, I, no. I, I, like, I hate betting Patrick Cantlay, it is like, it is like, it, the bane in my existence, I don't like his face, I don't like his demeanor, <laughs> I don't like anything about him, like, at all, I don't like, he looks all frumpy, I don't like the way he looks, I there's, there's, there's everything about Patrick Cantlay, I, I don't like, but... I have to be a slave to the numbers this week. I mean, literally, like I said, I'm running models on three different sites now. And and like every single one of them, all Patrick Cantlay is one, two or three in every version, every length of everything that I ran every time, every everything that I plugged in. He's no lower than three. In every single one of these things that I'm running. And so I had to be a slave to it. And listen, he's playing pretty well, kind of under the radar. Patrick Cantlay has been putting in some some pretty high finishes here of late as well. So I do kind of like the form even leading into all of this. And listen, you know the numbers like him if I am betting Patrick Cantlay because I will fade his ass at every single, every single chance <laughs> I can get. I will do it, but it's just this week. This week, I cannot do it. If he won with as high as he finishes in every single thing that I did this week, I would feel like a complete and utter moron. So, he's in there, and that's uh, that's I hate it, but I have to root for Patrick Cantley this week. But uh, Patrick Cantley is in there, as is Max Homan. And, and John. You and I are both on Tom Kim, and I just I'll, I'll let you talk about Tom Kim as well. I mean, uh, we mentioned. Typically, we'd like somebody with a little bit of experience here. He is a debutante at this event, but I don't know, man. I, maybe I'm just caught up in the hype and maybe it's just what I see with my own eyes when I'm watching this guy play, but I feel like if there's anybody who can handle just being at a huge event and all the things like, like this guy, just seems like he's enjoying life right now playing golf. It doesn't really matter. Even when he's kind of playing bad, he's still having fun and whatever. So uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm kind of sold on Tom Kim and I'm sold on Tom Kim even this week.
1: Yeah, I, I'm buying in the hype, too. I, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing on just, like, Instagram, too, like, Justin Thomas and Max Homer ser- sharing, like, selfies with the guys. He's, he's just, like, <laughs> joined in their practice group. Wasn't even supposed to be there, but they're like, <laughs> right. i have to come with. So, like, maybe he's going to pick up that that experience by <laughs> osmosis, just hanging out and being a good dude with these other guys. Um, and then also, you mentioned experience. Obviously, he is a debutante. The debutants don't have the best track record here, and, and the trend that seems to be bulletproof here is you'd like to see a top 20 finish before a guy goes on to win that that's happened in, I think the last 12 events. Um, but what, what uh, Tom Kim does have on his side is Joe Skavarin, uh his caddy and um, Ricky Fowler's former caddy who won together here uh, in 20, 2015, 2016, uh, 2015. Um, and so I think that goes a long way. And that's something that we actually saw just last week with uh, Kirk Kitayama, who was a debutant at, mm. uh, at Bay Hill. He takes uh, Bryson DeChambeau's, former caddy who won there the year before in Tim Tucker. And all of a sudden you pick up a lot of experience very quickly when you can just defer to your caddy. Um, he's wise beyond his years. Tom Kim, he's a smart player. He's thoughtful. He, d- he does get um, a little aggressive at times, maybe to a fault. Um, but you know, he's got a great trust for that with that caddy. They've already won twice together over the last six months. And uh, you put him on a positional course, you know, I'd like to think that he's a superstar in the making that can transcend like a short course fit. Um, but I, I feel like as it currently stands, he's he's kind of on a trajectory of having like, at like a Webb Simpson or Matt Kuchar type of career. And those are two guys who have won at the players.
0: Yeah, I, I same with me, saw all the stuff that I really like about him, and as far as course fit goes, I mean, I guess I can't really say because I haven't seen him play this thing, but it seems to me like this is the ideal type of course that I would like for him because if I do get his kind of 90th percentile outcome with the way that his game is structured, then I feel like I'm going to be in contention here for for this one, so I do like Tom Kim. As well. I do want to stay with you because it's a guy that we've already brought up. Um, we, Steven brought him up when we were talking about the odds board here. You got a much better number on Jason Day at 50 to 1, but let's talk about Jason Day at 28 to 1, which seems to be the best number that we could get out there. How do you feel about Jason Day at 28 to 1 if somebody's watching this video right now and they want to go and make a bet today?
1: yeah well let's start off by saying make sure that you are in the lines discord because if you were you probably could have capitalized on the 50 when it was there but if you're not and we're living in current times and the 28 is the best that's available i i wouldn't pull the triggers as well i'm with you with steven on that he's been bet down a ton i understand why you come into yes. the players with four consecutive top tens a past winner and three uh top tens at this event over the last six years it just feels like sort of like a safety net at, mm-hmm. at an event that has no safety net. Um, and when was the last time you heard Jason Day vertigo, Jason Day back injury, right, withdrawal right. risk? Like that, is, that has become a thing of the past, like it, it, like seemingly overnight. Um, but, but you look back, and I remember I bet him at Memorial last year or the year before, and he withdrew from that. And that, I think, is the last time we've even had any concern about withdrawal risk for Jason Day. So that used to be the reason you, reason you avoid him. Um, now he seems to be healthy. He's changed his swing in order to be to have something more sustainable on the back, which had a little growing pains, as, as you would understand, with the swing change. But it seems like the swing change is working. It's not causing any further injury concern. I'm with Steven, too, though. Like If you want to bet Jason Day... I would endorse the top 10, endorse the top 20. The 28 is a little, a little rich for my blood now at this point.
0: Steven, you, you guys actually have access to this way better than I do because there's really only one book here in Nevada that, that will allow this for me. But so I have a strategy with Jason day and you guys can let me know if this actually may or may not turn into fruition, how much these lines actually do drift as the course of the day goes on. But day has one of these afternoon tea times right and there are some ap- there are some absolute studs that are teeing off very early on Thursday i expect a score to get posted right i mean we're talking about you know scheffler and rom and all these guys that are going early. cantley's going early. All, all these different guys that are going early can can this 28 turn into 33 or 34 or 35? Like, if somebody does go five under or six under or something like that, and what we seem to be that the early morning Thursday seems to be the very optimal playing conditions of the entire week, they're going to get a very fresh course, very fresh greens, and, again, hardly any wind, it seems like. So I don't know how much these numbers do drift throughout the course because, again, I am not I don't have access to this as much as you guys do. But it seems like maybe if you did want to get in on day could you just wait and hope somebody posts a lowish score in the mornings and then by the time he tees off in the afternoon you get a better number?
2: John, tell me if your observations of this match mine. If if day hasn't teed off yet, his number really doesn't move all that much in the live odds even if a guy goes and posts a number. Maybe it maybe may a, a couple points here and there, but nothing significant. It will drift a little bit if, you know, a big name posts a number, his odds get slashed at like five to one or shorter to win the tournament, and Day maybe starts with like an early bogey or something, which with you know sixty five to seventy holes still left in the tournament isn't all that important. Then you might get a, a really good juicy number there closer to the fifty to one that you got, John.
1: Yeah, I think like take last week for example, like if John Rahm comes out as the favorite and posts a seven under start everybody's odds are going to fall back because they're going to, all of a sudden John Rahm is the odds to win uh, a tournament after mm-hmm. one round. But if it's not one of those big three, um, to your point, I don't think it drifts beyond like maybe maybe 30. I think for me, 40 to one was the magic number for Day. If he mm-hmm. was anything 40 or longer, I was going to probably place it. Um, one is a, a, a fairly difficult hole, but two is a pretty gettable par five. So if you are going to live bet, maybe he makes a bogey on one, and that's the time to jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, but you definitely want to make birdie on on two. And if you don't, then, then you're off to
2: a rocky start.
0: All right, Steven. So your shortest guy, Max Homa, who are the next couple of guys that made your card?
2: Yeah, the debate I had with Kalamurakawa Morikawa was with Tony Finau. And I know that Tony Finau has burnt most of us for the majority of his career. I, I was not on him when he got hot and won his couple of events. But if if to me the narrative is around Colin Morikawa being an elite iron player, then Tony Finau has actually produced at a higher rate with his irons than Morikawa has this season. Uh, Finau, over the past five events, has gained at least three strokes on approach in every one of them. Um, and I also believe that he's a better short game player than Colin Morikawa. He's gained strokes around the green um, in three of his past five events. So uh, Tony Finau at twenty eight to one was an interesting number to me here. Just kind of looking at that second tier of guys. Um, honestly, Matt, I, I understand where your head is at with Patrick Cantlay, and you just swallowed your pride and, and took him at shorter than. Well, I think you got him shorter than twenty to one, right? I'm not. Yeah, seventeen. There. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, him also being shorter than twenty to one is giving us some, some guys like Tony Finau at longer odds than we typically see. So, yeah, I'm I'm rocking Tony Finau here. Um Tita Green, he has gained more than five strokes uh, in three of his past four events. If he just has a good putting week, which he has done at TBC Sawgrass in the past, when the rest of his game wasn't at the level it is as it is now. If he has that good putting week, I think he does contend here this week.
0: All right, let's head back over to your card here, John. You have a couple of guys that are currently sitting kind of in that 50 to 55-ish range. You did get a better number on Keegan, but uh, Keegan has been popular this week. So he's coming in at about the 50 range. You got Shane Lowry also at 55 to 1. Look, if you look at Keegan Bradley, and you talked about how everybody's record here is checkered. Uh, there's one guy you can look at who doesn't have a miscut here over the last five years, and that's Keegan Bradley. Uh, he has had, you know, l- listen, not just lighting it up by any stretch of the imagination, but as we mentioned, I mean, this course has gotten the better of some of the very big players in this field, and, and Keegan has been able to wait, uh, navigate this thing ever since 2017 and not find any sort of cut. So uh, Keegan getting a lot of love this week, and I think rightfully so. I listened to an interview with Keegan on golf radio where he said, listen, I'm always have something that I am like complaining about with my game. It's whether, you know, the driver's not quite right or I need to, you know, the putting doesn't stroke doesn't feel exactly great or whatever it might be. He's like, I feel great. He's like, I don't have anything to tweak right now. He's like, I think that everything in my game is peaking at the right time. And so, uh, I, I like Keegan a lot this week as well.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, consistency at, at Sawgrass, I don't think of of consistency is the last word that comes to mind when i think of keegan mm. bradley because every <laughs> single round he plays is a total roller coaster he's in the water and then he goes on a birdie streak that mm. was like exactly how you would describe that t10 he had he had uh, last week at the api he was he was in the mix after day one he almost missed the cut after day two and then he mm. fought all the way back and and had a crazy sunday round so i got the 90 uh in the midst of a birdie streak on the back nine at uh api last week uh i can't say i would bet the 50 because it's Keegan Bradley and you just mm. never know what's going to happen. Um, but he definitely seems to have turned the putter into I I would say even a strength since the the players last year. I bet him here last year, um, and the T5 is misleading because he went into 18 with a chance. If he were to birdie, it's a tough hole. But if he were to birdie, he would have been clubhouse leader and and would have need and he would have gone to a playoff um, with with Cam Smith. Instead, he kind of bottled the tee shot into the trees. He punched out into the water and he made a mess at 18. Um, so, so a little misleading on the t five. He really had a chance to win this last year. He tweeted himself that he's trending, so I have to take Keegan at his word. Um, and he's a Florida guy. He's from Jupiter. His family's gonna be here. He's always talked about uh, really enjoying the, getting the family time. I think that's a that's a plus for him. So anytime Keegan's in the Florida swing, um that that seems to be the right time to play him. And uh,
0: what about uh, what about Shane Lowry sitting here at fifty five to one? If I was looking at the models that I ran, if I had, because I do this just to kind of see what a baseline might be, but I don't really consider the you know hundred round and seventy five round models very much. I just like to see what it, how it shapes and, and and evolves over time. Whenever I do get into the ones that I value a lot more, kind of in that thirty six and twenty four type range. But you look and boy, Shane Lowry, it just just peppers these models that I ran going long term, all the way into some of the short term stuff. As well, so I um I'm guessing you saw a lot of that as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you see this a similar number today between Lowry and, and Keegan. I feel much better about Lowry uh, mm-hmm. in a heads up. You know, happy to have both, but in a heads up, I, I would prefer Lowry. He's the only player in this field with top 20s in each of the last two players. When we talk about a, a checkered record of of consistency at this uh at this event he's he's a guy who's shown consistency uh good sand player as you mentioned sand saves is important here he's somebody who can kind of navigate those tricky pot bunkers and you look at all of his results they do come on these sort of club down accuracy short 7200 yard courses uh honda last year he finished runner up that 7200 uh on on florida bermuda he's from florida so he kind of has that that familiarity also has good results at the Heritage. That's somewhere where he's he's been a pretty consistent player. So uh, anywhere where it's approaching short game, that's where I'm going to look Shane Lowry. He had a, he had an ace here last year too, so some good juju coming back. Maybe he's the most confident guy stepping up on that, that daunting 17th hole this time around.
0: Steven, where are you sitting? Do you have anybody in this kind of 40-ish, 50-ish, 60-ish range?
2: Yeah, I was fortunate to get Keegan as well. He's at 50 now. I got him at 90 to 1 with John. Um, Just a fun fact here about the putter, because that's always been the bugaboo with Keegan, right? has been the putter. But he's on a stretch now where he's gained at least a stroke putting in three of his past four events. You have to go back to 2015 to find three of the past four events where he's done the same thing. So he's kind of turned that around, and we've known him to be pretty solid tee to green. It's just always been he's been one of the worst putters on tour. So If he can have an average putting week this week, I think he's going to make some noise here. Other than him, Siwoo Kim was interesting to me. Obviously, he's won the event, won the Sony this year as well for us. That was a nice little payday. Uh, He moved up the rankings for me when you put on the short courses, less than 7,200 yards. Now, we're at 7,250 yards, so it's not Mm -hmm. apples to apples, but close enough. Uh, he got up to top three for me right there with Colin Morikawa on short courses and obviously John Rahman, Justin Thomas in that top five as well. Um, I just think he's pretty reliable in terms of his consistency. He's not going to hit the cover off the ball, but he's finding fairways. Top 10 tee to green on these short courses. Number three in bogey avoidance, which is always nice to see, especially when you have so much water on the course here. And despite being one of the shorter hitters off the tee, or at least around, you know, tour average mm-hmm. top 11 in strokes gain par five on these shorter courses. So I think he can still score on this course. So, um, yeah, I think at 66 to one. That's a fair price on Siwoo Kim this week.
0: So I have some I have one guy in this range and that is Keith Mitchell. I got him at 55 to 1 and listen guys when we talk about prices here on the pod just keep in mind I, have, I only have access to Nevada books. These guys have access to rest of country books. And so there's going to be some varying numbers all over the place. I do have the benefit of having Circa here in town. And so sometimes their outright numbers are kind of way off market comparatively to the rest of the country. So sometimes they're better for me. A lot of times they're not. So uh, whenever I give a number and you're like, dude, you only got blah on someone. It's like, yeah, was my only option. All right. So just like, uh, chill out. Pump the brakes. I only have, I only have so many options here. In Nevada with all of this. So uh, 55 to one on Keith Mitchell. And guys, when we look at the statistics we're talking about, yes, this is not one of those. This is not one of those courses in which we think that you have to be long. I think in, in, I think we would all say, you know, listen, length is always going to be a, a bonus, especially if you are long and also accurate. And Keith Mitchell definitely fits that bill right I mean we're talking about a guy when you look at his statistics so far this year I mean strokes gained off the tee he's first you know he is total driving he is first right and then we look at kind of Sanse like what he's looking at from a Sanse perspective he's doing really good like these are all things that I'm looking for here in him now His approach, not the greatest in the whole world, but Hey, if you're longer and if you're long and straight, then some of these approach shots can be a little bit easier because you're using these shorter irons and stuff like that. So I'm kind of just playing off of the fact that we're, we're seeing a combination of long and straight that we have not seen in, in a hot minute in Keith Mitchell. I mean, you're talking about a dude that's as long as the longest guys in the game and like more accurate than some of the guys that we think about as just being little short, you know, accurate dudes. And like, he's actually more accurate than they, than they are. So uh, Keith Mitchell did make the card there at 55 to one, John, I don't know what, I don't know what Keith Mitchell's actual win equity is. I mean, we've seen him compete a couple of times this year so far. So I I guess he can kind of get in there and battle with the big boys a little bit, but Look at fifty-five to one. If he finds himself a contention late on a Sunday, there's probably ways for me to navigate and, and make sure that I lock in a profit for the week. And so, um, even if his actual, truly take it down win equity isn't isn't all that great, I still think I can probably navigate away to make some money.
1: Yeah, he's had good results here. T thirteen last year, he's in far better form now than he was back then, and on a daunting course like this where you are gonna have some nervy tee shots it's always a good thing to have that be a strength of your game here so i didn't bet him because i i feel like it can sort of take driver out of the hand which is his strength um but he's finished t13 in worse form so he's somebody that in like a DraftKings king's perspective in, mm-hmm. in daily fantasy i i love the play and i'll be there for him there and, and i did Give him a long look in the outright market.
0: I should, uh, I should also mention, I do have a first-round leader bet on him as well. I do have a first-round leader bet on Patrick Cantley as well. Again, I'm looking at that Thursday early morning when it comes to that. So on the, I do have first-round leader bets on those guys um, as well. So let's get into kind of these bigger numbers here on your card, John. We've got uh, Saheet Tagala. we got Seamus Power. we got Tom Hoagie. What were you seeing in, in, in these type of guys?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Power to me is like the discounted version of of Mitchell where like mm-hmm. they're not doing it with the approach, but they're doing it everywhere else and they have the results at Sawgrass and now they're in better form uh, this year than they were in years past. So, uh, you know, uh, Power I think is probably my favorite like under the radar guy this week. Somebody that again, in, like a daily fantasy standpoint, I want a lot of exposure to him. Um, be, he's top 20 in skin total leading into this event. He's finished top 25 in all but one event this season, which is crazy to think about. Um, and he had that hot stretch earlier this year where he won the Bermuda and then he finished top five, uh, in his next two events after that. So definitely seems to play well when the wind gets up, uh, channeling his Irish roots. Maybe I don't know what hmm. it is, but he seems to like the more difficult conditions. If he do get some gusts, uh, maybe, maybe that's something he thrives in. He's very consistent on short game. Um, Sahith is somebody who, like, I feel like he's been circling around winning an event like this because he's played well in like little puzzle pieces of the uh, environment that we get here. When you talk about the Waste Management Phoenix Open, that's like a highly intense atmosphere on a TPC setup. Uh, you talk about the RSM Classic, that's a little bit of a shorter coastal Bermuda course that he finished runner up at. And then you have TPC River Highlands, which is another TPC Pete Dye design where he finished runner up and should have taken that down just barely. Uh, gave it away on that 18th hole, but he was so close. So it seems like he's really trending towards a, a win, and when he gets one, it's going to be in one of these really big moments. And and I just love watching Seth. So uh, that, was, that was also a heart that... Um, and then Tom Hoagie, uh, 150 to one. I bet him outright last year. I bet him first round leader last year. So a little, little good juju after getting the, uh, the chop on the first round last year. He's number one surest skating approach over the last 36. So if I can get triple digit odds on, on the best approach player mm-hmm. at, at an event that really puts a premium on it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull the trigger on that.
0: Yeah, I um I like I I like Tagala's game a lot. I think he's kind of on that next train of dudes that we maybe like a year from now are going to be looking at and he's more in that 40 to 50 range as opposed to this kind of 85-90ish range. I really do like his game a ton, so I don't blame you there one bit. What about uh what about you as we get longer here, Stephen? Who ended up making your card?
2: Uh Tagala also on my card as well. I mean, for a rookie last year, so start of calendar year last year to now, to have nine top tens on the PGA Tour is really impressive. I think he's on the cusp here, breaking through at some point. And to John's point, he's done. He's come close to doing it at very large events, so I don't think he's going to be intimidated either. Uh, outside of him, really, guys, I kind of just ignored the model. I know these guys are not playing well. They're not in great form, but man, we are getting some crazy numbers here on a couple of these guys, Sam Burns, multiple time PGA tour winner. We know he likes to putt well, or he he likes to putt in Florida and has putted well here in the past to see a 90 to one on him is pretty wild to me. He played pretty well too last year in this event before the weather got squirrely. Um, Hideki Matsuyama, is we he's injured to some degree he's not fully healthy so caveat on that so he's not a guy that you want to go out and bet a top 10 or a top 20 um or even matchups because the volatility Mm -hmm. here is crazy but in the context of an outright if he does play well this week 80 to 1 is insane Uh, you're i'm i think the at that price the injury risk is baked in so you know in a three unit card or a three and a half unit card, which I like to do on these big events in the majors to only have to use half a unit on Hideki Matsuyama with his win equity. He's won the Sony open. He's won the masters. He hits it straight. That to me is, is worth the injury risk at that point to get 80 Mm -hmm. to one on him. People forget too. He came out
1: guns blazing in 2020 in the COVID stoppage year. He was the first. That's right. Yes. So, I mean, that's like half a win at the players, think, at least <laughs> yeah. a quarter.
0: It should be. It should be looked at like that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, my I only have two after this, two kind of bomb plays here. Um, and these are, so one of the sites that I run models off of does take in all of the rest of the world's statistics, right? So the algorithm takes in DP World Tour, Asian Tour, all the different things like that. And so... Um, I get a couple of names that I think don't pop up on Fantasy National a lot when I run these models and stuff, and a couple of names, Ryan Fox and Aaron Rye um, were two guys that popped real high for me as you bring in all of their rest-of-world stuff. Now, not a ton of success for either guy here in the States, and so I I take it all with a grain of salt. But listen, I'm getting Fox at 225-1. to I'm getting Rye at 300-1, to and these are guys that, again, have some of – Check a lot of the boxes and the stuff that I was looking for this week hasn't really translated here, but has had success elsewhere and so maybe they can kind of run hot again on a tournament that we think is is really volatile right and so I'm going to uh I'll roll the dice on a two twenty five and a three hundred to one on on those couple of guys. Like that. If you want the rest of John's card, including his first round leaders and his placement markets, guess what? We're gonna make you go to the site to get those. The link is down in the description below. So click on that and go in and take a look at the full article over at the lines.com. Guys, guys, I do wanna close this out though with some discussion on one and done. And because these these are some very big pools that people are playing in. I know a lot of people have them just with their friends or whether you're in the the big pools out there in the golf community as well i th- listen from a strategic standpoint if anybody came to me and said they wanted to play one of the big three dudes i would never talk them off of it at all right i mean again we just talked about it there's five different spots that pay seven figures 4.5 to first i understand john rom struggled last week but he did go 700 in the first round i mean i am not going to talk anybody off of Rahm Scheffler. Or Rory, John, are you of the same mindset there? Because, I mean, I I don't have any of those guys available. I think I have one of them available. Like, I'm in, you know, five I've I, I max entered in all of them. So maybe I have them, someone available in one or two or something like that. But, like, I don't have them widely available. So they're kind of off the table for me. But if they are available to people out there, I it'd be hard for me to say no.
1: Yes. I, I think this, is, this week makes me so uncomfortable in one and done because yeah. you have to get it right. Uh, And just for example, like in 2021, I picked Justin Thomas in this event and the purse was less, but compared or relative to Mm. the other events, it was still like so much more than the other events. And I was not having, I was having an awful one and done year up until that point. And then you hit here and it's almost like winning three outright. (laughs) (laughs) It it changes everything. (laughs) Um, And I ended up finishing top 10 in my one and done Mm. uh, pool with like 5,000 people in it um because of hitting the players correctly and mm-hmm. then the next year Cam Smith won and he was probably the chalkiest selection or 20% pick and if you didn't pick Cam Smith it was an uphill battle the rest right. of the year um so it's crucial you have to get it right and it's so risky because this is the event that the elites are most likely to miss the cut in um so it's a tough decision for me I'm like I'm looking down all the data points of like who's the least likely to blow this up but yeah. also the most likely to finish top 5 um, so, so it's tough. If you have a bit, like a ROM Rory available, I think this is the spot to pick them. I wouldn't pick Scotty here. Cause I think there's a bunch more events that still have high purses that he has better history, such as the masters, um, coming up. So I, I don't really like Scotty in this spot, but I haven't thinking about, uh, I've actually already used Rory. So I'm thinking about ROM. Mm-hmm. And if not, I, I am thinking about Jason day just cause that, that top 10 floor feels pretty good.
0: Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, that's the way that this guy's been playing. What about you, Stephen? You know, if we're let's let's talk about if you have everybody available, and then let's talk about where you know if you if you have kind of whittled through some of the big names, where would you be leaning?
2: I'm in a pool, uh, the Mayo Cup, with my college buddy, so we have mm-hmm. two entries, and you know we kind of make group decisions together. I'm trying to convince him to go double bullet Rom this week because mm-hmm. I, the fact that his odds have slipped a little bit to eleven to one. I think for whatever reason there might be I could be dead wrong about this, but I think there might be a little less exposure to him and ownership of Rom this week than than typical weeks. And the money is just so big that you know it's it's worth just kind of burning it now. I'm also in a position where You know, we're in like a thousandth place and only the top 600 get paid. So it's a good chance to move way up there. So um, but if if I'm going for a sleeper in one and done here, I'm looking at guys like Keith Mitchell. I'm looking at, um, you know, a, a Tony Fee now. That's not as much of a sleeper. But Keith Mitchell and Siwoo Kim would be probably my top guys down the board there this week. But with so much money on the line. I'll let you know on on Discord if I win the battle here, but I want I want double bullet Rom this week, and if he misses the cut, so be it.
0: Yeah, I mean, so for me, look if you if you've already burned through whatever, I, I have no problem with any of the big three. Problem with me, they're not available to me. So again, I'm having to uh, I'm having to suck it up, guys, and I'm I'm, I'm playing am playing Cantley this week. Um, and it's one of those deals where since there is that, since there are five different spots that pay seven figures, you're talking about a dude, when we look at like floor, right? I mean, let's go all the way back to, you know, June of 2022, we're talking T3 outright 14, T13, T4, T8, T2 t fifty seven a win t seven a win t two t sixteen t twenty six now he gets cut at the Phoenix Open is there anybody on the world that doesn't need to be playing the Phoenix open other than cantley like that the party atmosphere with that guy and his face and the way that he looks and the way he walks he should never play that event where like that's the most obvious cut on the face of the planet comes back third at Genesis and then t four at the Arnold Palmer right so again in a in an event where I'm getting five different spots that pay seven figures. I think the floor here for Cantlay is is pretty damn high, and the ceiling is is probably a win. So um, if I can't play one of those other guys, I'm I'm going with Cantlay, and that's again unfortunate for me. I have to look at his I have to look at his face all week and pay attention to it. But it just it is what it is, Stephen. Sometimes we do things for money and, and and like you know for money and for bragging rights and all this stuff. And, and and damn it, Cantlay, if I have to look at that face of yours, you better you better be in the top ten this week, buddy.
2: Was it Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour Commissioner, came out and said there's been like nine extra minutes of golf shots during broadcast this week. There's a direct correlation to them just showing less Cantlay because he (laughs) takes freaking 60 seconds to hit every shot.
0: Oh, it's so great. Uh, all of John's work again, guys, you can find over at the lines.com. We will drop the links also in the description below. So make it very easy on you to go in and click and find all that stuff. And by the way, everything we do is absolutely free. So if you want to give some support that costs you nothing, just go down, hit the subscribe button down below. You could rate, you could review, you can put some stuff in the comments as well. Uh, we'll take a look and You want to get the up to date, as up to date as we can possibly get with all this stuff, you join the Discord as well. You can go to lines.com, upper right hand corner. You'll see the little Discord icon. And then we are talking that all the way up until first tee on Thursdays. Well, those guys are. I'm in Vegas. It's like four o'clock in the morning, my time. But so I I will not be talking all the way up to first tee, but they will uh, whenever it comes down to it. So be sure and get in the Discord as well and chop it up with everybody. For John, for Steven, I'm Matt. Good luck on all your players' bets.